everyone. Thank you for joining us in episode three. We're going to be kicking off a three-part series on identity in Christ. So if you will, go ahead and turn over to John chapter five. And all scripture today is going to be taken out of the New Living Translation. And this is what it says. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethsaida with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the water whenever it bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up and pick up your mat and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry the sleeping mat. But he replied, The man who healed me told me to pick up my mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something worse might even happen to you. And the man went ahead and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him on the Sabbath. So first things first, we see in the story that Jesus healed a lame man on the Sabbath. And I believe that he did so totally on purpose. It wasn't an accident that he healed the man on the Sabbath. It was directed that he seemed to be forcing the issue with the religious leaders, namely the Pharisees who were missing the original purpose of the Sabbath. And much of the New Testament includes controversies around the Sabbath, and this is just one of those. Uh, we can also think of Sabbath uh, for purposes in this lesson as just holy leisure. But the Feast of Pentecost, Passover, and Tabernacles obligated all Jewish males to attend, and that's important in the story because Jesus healed also during one of these feasts. And we have to really ask ourselves, which one? It might have been the Feast of Passover, but some doubt it because it was too cold that time of year to be lying around a pool. I mean, how many of us really like to get in the pool when the water's freezing? Uh, the second question we have to ask is, what's the Feast of Tabernacle? But I don't think so because that's the backdrop for John chapter 9. So that leaves us with the Feast of Pentecost as the probable setting. Now John sets up this miracle almost like any famous movie introduction, where the camera starts off with a huge view, maybe of a city skyline. And as it moves closer into the city, amidst all the buildings, into the crowd of people, and then finally it settles down and focuses on the main character. And we know that main character in this story is the person by the pool who's been there 38 years. Here, picture this. There's a feast going on in Jerusalem near a sheep gate at the Pool of Bethsaida near the colonnades amidst the multitudes with a number of disabled. And finally, he focuses on a man who had been sick for 38 years. I don't know about you, but I only know what it's like to be sick short term. I've never been sick for an extended period of time. But this guy had been sick 38 consecutive years. I mean, can you imagine that? That Jesus focuses on the one man out of the crowd who maybe had been sick the longest. 
the other interesting thing is that there's an entire crowd by the pool, and Jesus doesn't heal a group of them or even a few of them. He simply picks one, and that might have us asking the question as to why. Some suggest it's because the man is the only one who had really given up, that he would let others go to the pool because he knew he couldn't get down there that we have to believe that maybe this man lost all touch with his identity that God had intended for him because he became defined by something that wasn't God. He became defined by his disability and by his sickness. That maybe he didn't view himself as a beautiful creation or something very good created pre-Genesis chapter 3. In his eyes, he was lame. He was useless. He was good for nothing. He was last and probably never going to make it into the pool. He was sick for 38 years. We have to wonder how many experiments he had tried to get healed. Maybe he used essential oils, or maybe he had different prayer meetings happen over him. But I believe he was ready to hope in something else. He just didn't know what that something else was. And if it's true then the principle of people having to recognize their loss before they're ready to turn to Christ is an interesting one, but that doesn't actually seem to happen in the story because the man did not know Jesus before. So faith wasn't involved. This was pre-Jesus, and we have to ask ourselves, what was our mindset like before we met Christ? Perhaps this story is a lesson in God's sovereignty, plan, and purpose and the fact that his sovereignty, plan, and purpose are bigger than our needs, that we're not limited by our sickness, or that maybe we're not limited by other things in life because God has an overarching plan for each and every one of us. Just because he heals only one person doesn't make him unjust either. That maybe we sometimes think that, that why did my friend get picked for the job promotion, or why can they have children and I can, or why does that family always seem to succeed when we don't do well? And the reality is we wrestle with questions like that all the time, of why does God pick them and not me? I believe that's a dangerous place to be, because it somehow seems that our identity are found in other things except Christ. When we lose sight of God's will for our lives, we forget our identity. We become defined by things that simply are not godly, we become defined by things like success, or possessions, or relationships, or money, or even social media. And we have to be careful of this drift away from the heart of God. The pools like the one at Bethesda, believe it or not, were not even discovered by archaeologists until the early 1960s. And this is another example of how archaeology continues to affirm that scripture, in, in fact, is true. But we have to also ask ourselves, what were the sick people waiting for? Were they waiting for someone to come by and stir the water? In our day, we have a modern comparison that the waters of Hot Springs, Arkansas have been rumored that people were, here, were healed there at one time, and people have claimed to be healed there. And the same is true, that nobody really knows where the tradition from Hot Springs, Arkansas comes from about the water, and we don't know it in this story in the Bible either. We just know that one person claimed it to have happened, and people believed it, so people sat by the water and waited. It really doesn't matter if it's true or not, because the reality is people were still sitting by the water waiting. And sometimes many of us sit by pools and wait too, 
even if we know those pools won't bring healing. And I have to ask myself, and I hope you ask yourself the same question, have you been sitting by a pool too long waiting for something to happen when you know it's not going to happen? I think it's also interesting to know that the solution to the man's problem was Jesus, but he couldn't see it because he was focused on getting to the pool. He wanted to use Jesus to help him get to the pool, but he wasn't looking for Jesus, if that makes sense. I think there are a few takeaways that we can take away from verse 7. Just like this man had used his resources for 38 years to get well, we often, too, depend upon our own resources to solve our own problems. When they don't work, we despair or think that God is sleeping or that he's somewhere else or that he's more concerned about somebody else instead of me. The reality is sometimes we don't turn to God or sometimes if we do, we have the wrong goal in mind. Just like this man who wanted Jesus to help him get down to the pool, I think we often look to God to give us what we think we need when in fact we just need God himself. He is our identity. If I'm depressed over my finances, my prayers might be that God gives me more money. But the reality is maybe I just need to pray that I receive God instead or that he would make me a better steward of what he's already giving me. If I'm depressed over a bad relationship or a marriage and I pray really hard that God would change the other person, maybe my prayers need to be, well, God, will you change me? Uh, so that it can provide me a better opportunity in life to be godly. Uh, or maybe if we're going through a really bad trial, uh, and we ask that God would just simply take it away or change our season, that in fact maybe we could pray that the trial could be used as an opportunity to grow in grace and holiness. The reality is I don't know what you're facing today, but I do know that if we look to find our identity in anything other than God, we're going to be very disappointed and maybe even often hurt or feel isolated. That whenever we can look to God to be our identity, everything else seems to naturally fall into place. Because we know the battle is not ours, that the battle is the Lord's. And we also know that whenever we look to God for identity, we define ourselves by a different list of adjectives. Maybe we won't define ourselves as a failure or as not good enough. Uh, or somebody who struggles or can never beat an addiction. When rather, if we're judging ourselves by God and his identity and who he created us to be, we'll know that we're loved, that we're grafted in the family, uh, that he gives us grace and his mercies are new every day, and that he loves us. So I hope that this message today brings you uh, much encouragement, uh, much peace, uh, whenever you can know that your identity is found in him and not anything else. So have an incredible week. And join us for our second part of the series in a few days. Have a great night.